Around these fires, history and story meet. Listen as we talk about things some might prefer to forget. Around this fire, we try to give voice to the lost and shed light on things and people that were always meant to shine. Here, don't expect the dry words of dispassionate historians, but instead legends of historic passions and the inspirations that came from them. Gather around these fires to hear the Anansi Chronicles. The American's children's author and illustrator, Jean Marzolo, penned the infamous poem entitled In 1492. The poem begins, in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. He had three ships and left from Spain. He sailed through sunshine, wind, and rain. And although history has mostly come around to giving that violator of human rights the kind of attention that he deserves, Columbus's first journey into what he naively chose to call the New World is mostly common knowledge. He brought with him three ships the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. He was looking for India, but instead stumbled upon the Americas and the peoples who had lived there for thousands of years. And with that accidental discovery, set off a chain of events that would lead to, among other things, genocide, the collapse of civilizations, the rape of continents, and eventually the wealth of all modern nations. But what of his crew? What about the men who sailed those ships straight into history? Less is known of them. They are usually faceless characters in the surviving records. Now let me tell you about Pedro Alonso Nino also known as El Negro. He was born in Mogre, Spain. He was of mixed African and Spanish heritage, a product of those complicated unions between a white Spaniard man and an enslaved African woman. By the rules created by others in history, the melanin in his mother's skin and the Africa that was in her blood makes him a black man. Pedro and his two brothers, Francisco and Juan, had been sailing up and down the Atlantic and along the African coast for a long time when their reputations caught the attention of an Italian explorer searching for a shorter route to India and therefore an economic advantage for his sponsors, the Spanish monarchy. So it was that the son of a woman largely erased from history was not only a member of this fateful voyage, but sat at the elm of one of the ships. On October 12, 1492, when Columbus tripped and fell across the place that the original Lucayan people called Guanahani, but that would eventually be renamed the Bahamas. El Negro's brother Juan was the owner of La Nina, and El Negro himself was piloting the Santa Maria. The story of Pedro Alonso Nino is more legend than fact, and today, that is where history ends and our story begins. The pilot stretched the tired muscles in his back and struggled to steady himself against the strangely solid earth beneath his feet. He gazed around the white sand beach, his eyes tracing the lush vegetation and then settling on the mountains in the distance. Their green peaks, partially hidden in cloud, tugged at the faint outlines of a memory, a story told in the strange accent of a woman whose skin was almost the same shade as the sapphire jewel in the ring on his left hand. 
He had been excited at the challenge of piloting the 110-ton cargo ship, the Santa Maria, into the place where maps were no longer of any use. But after two months of sea, with all three ships rumbling with threats of mutiny against their captain, Pedro was happy to have found land. He had of course known immediately that this was not anywhere in the East Indies. The waters in that part of the world were well traveled, but they had already seen creatures on their journey never before recorded. It had taken Columbus longer to reach that conclusion, but it was Pedro's job to pilot the ship, not to provide guidance to the man appointed by the king and queen. He had pulled his sword when the almost completely naked band of men and women had approached them, but the tribe of what Columbus was already foolishly calling Indians had been unarmed and welcoming. They almost seemed to have no conception of weapons, and one of the young men had cut themselves while handling the sharp end of someone's sword. The predatory gleam in Columbus's eyes as he scanned the smiling band of natives had made Pedro's stomach turn. He loved sailing, but he did not particularly enjoy this part. So, leaving the rest of the crew to trade and trick, he had gone walking along the beach, watching the surf of the clear water break against clean white sand. Once he had separated himself from the others, he began to appreciate the beauty of the place. Pedro had seen the coasts of his mother's home and countless small, mostly uninhabited islands in the Atlantic, but this, this was something different. Unlike those other small islands, this place was its own world. He could feel the thousands of years of life and death, love and heartbreak, joy and loss that existed here. His explorer's heart led him away from the beach and into the overgrown forest. He was so deep in thought that he did not notice the large, gnarled root of the gigantic tree until it was too late. Pedro groaned as he felt his ankle twist and tear and then his head snap against the ground. The world went black and Pedro was sailing again. Except this time, he was the ship and the air was the ocean, tossing and turning him as he floated in the darkness for what seemed like a very long time. The light, when it came, dissolved the heavy blackness gradually, like morning streaming into a cave. Around him, the grey turning blue of the sky, and when he looked down, there was nothing. Pedro instinctively tried to shield himself from the drop, and then realized that he had no hands. In fact, he had no body. He was just consciousness floating way above the land. But he soon figured out that with some effort, he could move himself. It was like sailing a ship that did not exist. He thought about where he wanted to go and then found the tools to take him there. So, he moved closer to the land that was beneath him. As the faint outlines of ships transformed into mountains, hills, valleys, Pedro realized it was the place that the native people called Guanahani. But it was not the Guanahani he had trespassed into. Like him, it was the consciousness of the place. And when he looked at it, Pedro could see its history. He saw the islands when the earth was young, shortly after the time of gods and magic. The tan-skinned people crossing the water in carved canoes and settling along the shores of this island and of many others. In his mind's eye, Pedro saw the people multiply and stretch out, 
Small, unsteady structures grew into permanent houses and eventually entire cities sprung up. More than the growth of infrastructure, Pedra saw lives. He saw generations of people who were born and who lived and loved and had children and dreams. He saw people making music, creating art, existing together beneath the impartial gaze of the universe. He saw men fall in love with women so beautiful that it made the place where his art should have been ache. And these people too he saw struggle and love each other and sometimes they were separated by chance or choice but sometimes they stayed. Pedro traced two lives in particular, the man and woman who had disobeyed their parents to sail across the great water in search of a better life. And even though the woman had been pregnant, she kept her lover alive just as much as he did her. They were still at sea when the baby came, so she pushed out the boy in the middle of the ocean and they sustained him until they reached land. The fierce love they shared for each other, they also gave to the baby, and the boy grew into a young man who was loved and therefore who knew no fear. The other was a girl whose father died at sea and whose mother could only stay alive long enough to get her to land. The people raised her together, and she grew into a young woman who was fierce and independent but also believed in the kindness of her people. They had always known each other, but they fell in love during a ceremony that Pedro did not recognize. While everyone danced around them, the boy only saw the girl and she only saw him, and the boy's parents recognized the familiar fire in their eyes, and they were happy for the children. Her strength merged with his bravery, and they birthed greatness for generations. Strong men and women who led the way when they needed to be led and simply inspired them when they did not. The bloodline of the boy and the girl stretched out for thousands of years until the three ships landed in the arbor. Pedro's consciousness fell in love. Not with the people, because they were not his and he could never truly understand them. But he fell in love with the life that he saw. The stories of a world older than almost anything he had ever known. The stories that made him long to return to his own life and search out his own piece of love and perhaps even heartache. So he tried to move, forcing his mind to the place where he thought his body might be. But the spirit of the island resisted. He felt the force of mountains and rivers pressing against him until he tried to scream but remembered he had no mouth. This time, when he looked down, the scene was darker. A storm cloud hung over the land, and Pedro saw evil. He watched the bloodlines that had developed over thousands of years slow down and then die. The beautiful and brave descendants of that first boy and girl were being broken. The people who had before lived lives of sometimes beauty and other times sadness now only lived to work. He could barely recognize the strength of a thousand years in the hollow faces of the captives marching towards their death. In what seemed like the blink of an eye, entire cities were destroyed, bloodlines older than that of the Spanish king and queen wiped out. This time, Pedro did scream, not with his mouth because that was lost to him, 
His mind exploded with a piercing sound as he saw the land below him was empty. The lives that had covered the island almost since the beginning of time were all gone. Pedro looked down at the emptiness and watched as the sun rose and set over and over again, and the island sat vacant, sad, mourning for its dead children. He was not sure exactly how, but the spirit of the island spoke to him and told him that he was in the future now, over a hundred years from when he had sailed the Santa Maria into the shores of Guanahani. He also learned how to move and walk across the land, or at least what the spirit of the island told him was land. And from the white sand beach, he saw in the distance, a ship. His mind took flight again, with swiftness and ease like a bird, and he approached the ship looking down at the shining black faces that reminded him of a woman he had not known well enough. And as he moved closer, the power of the lives that the ship carried overwhelmed him, and it was like he was caught in a hurricane. Staring back at him were shackled, stony faces of men and women whose spirits told him that they too were the descendants of kings and queens who had built incredible cities that lasted for thousands of years and that included his mother and her parents who he would never know. The lives of these people buffeted Pedro on all sides and suddenly he had no control over himself and he began to spiral. He plunged back in time away from the slave ship and back to the beginning of the thing that would destroy an entire world and build in its place something else. Pedro slowly opened his eyes and in doing so realized that he had eyes again. His body felt heavy after being weightless for so long. It took him great effort to pull himself into a sitting position. The throbbing and burning in his ankles made the idea of standing seem impossible. Then strong hands grasped his shoulders and he turned quickly to find himself looking into the brown eyes of a beautiful, slender, dark-skinned woman. She smiled at him and because his heart was back in the right place, it ached. He nodded at her and allowed her to help him to his feet, averting his eyes from the parts of her that were exposed. He let her wrap his ankle in a simple but effective brace, and then he allowed her to shear his weight as she led him through the forest. Pedro hesitated when they reached the clearing. At the other end of the beach, he could see the sunlight glint off the metal helmets and weapons of his crew. He pulled himself free of the woman and nodded at her in wordless gratitude. She wrinkled her sunburnt brow and pointed across the sand to the large group. Then she slowly said some words that he did not understand. Pedro stared at her for a long time, trying to shake the memory of a too real fever dream. Then he pushed her gently back into the forest and continued the painful, hobbling journey across the sand on his own. The legend of Pedro Alonso Nino, upon which our fiction is based, is a vague one in many places. He returned with Columbus in 1498 when they visited the island that would eventually be called Trinidad. After that, he and his brothers explored the Indies independently but they were accused of having cheated the Spanish crown out of their share of his spoils. Pedro died in prison before the conclusion of his trial. 
Today, there is a monument to him in the convent of San Francisco in Moger, Spain. It is important to note that there are some sources that claim that Pedro Alonso was not a black man and that the nickname El Negro is simply a consequence of the nuance of translation. But the history of history is complicated and full of unknowns. For example, many would say that Columbus discovered a new world, but how can a world be new if civilizations existed there for thousands of years before? Columbus and those who came after him enslaved, raped, and murdered the entire civilization, beginning the moment in 1492 when he sailed out of the ocean blue and into a world he did not understand. By the time the British colonized Guanahani, or the Barbados, in the 1600s, the islands had been deserted for more than a century. The people who had lived there, scattered in the wind, eventually transformed into something else. Finally, this story is not an attempt to whitewash the story of Pedro Alonso Nino. Black men are not. It is simply a fiction that tries to tell the story of the original people and the moment of discovery that includes a possible character of color. However, Pedro still sailed the invaders' ships, and records suggest that he participated in their pillaging as much as anyone else. But if I am to begin to tell a history of black people, I wanted to show that we did not first come in the hulls of slave ships, although that too is our history. But there are records of other Africans accompanying Columbus on later journeys. This recognition should not be confused with pride. Next time, we will talk about one more black explorer who, like Pedro Alonso Nino, came with invaders. But unlike Pedro, his legend is that he adapted the culture of the first people. The story goes that they adapted him too, and in doing so, not only freed him, but made him a god. I hope you choose to come back to our fire and to keep listening to the Anansi Chronicles. There are many other stories to tell. As always, please review the show notes for links to sources about today's history. If you enjoy these stories, then please help us spread the word by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts and telling your friends about the Anansi Chronicles. You can also use the link in the show notes to support the show financially if you are so inclined. If you just want to say hello, then send an email to anansipod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter where we are at anansipod or find us on Facebook at the Anansi Chronicles. The Anansi Chronicles is a Precious Metals production.